Well, I guess the big story today is what Texas AD Chris Del Conte said yesterday. He's going to ask the SEC, hey, will you throw us a bone? We're tired of these 11 a.m. OU Texas games. Can we get a 2.30 up in here? Can we get a 2.30 for OU Texas, please? And that just makes me wonder, Parker Thune. I know for years, really for decades, the OU Texas game for both sides has been a big recruiting pitch for both schools. Is the OU Texas game in itself still a big recruiting pitch for OU? I know that maybe they're not bringing in as many kids to that game as maybe they were in the early 2000s when Adrian Peterson is on the sidelines and Rhett Bomar is down there, but is OU Texas like that game in Dallas in terms of bringing kids and the overall recruiting pitch around it, like, is that still a big deal for the staff? Being able to say, hey, you'll be able to play in this setting, this unique setting that no one else in college football really has. I, I would say yes. However, I think if there's a reason it doesn't feel that way at this point in time, it's probably because, well, oh, you just got beat 49 to nothing in yeah. that game last year. Yeah. So I, I, I understand if everybody wants to kind of sweep that game under the rug. I understand if they don't want to put great emphasis on the ability to play in the OU Texas game to recruits over the next couple of years because right now what everybody remembers is OU getting throttled start to finish. Yeah, I, I got to think it's it's still a, a pretty nice recruiting pitch to have. It's not your main recruiting pitch. You're not selling a kid based entirely on, you know, one Saturday in October in Dallas playing in that game. But it is, I, I think, very helpful, especially to kids in the state of Texas, right? Like maybe it doesn't hit the same with kids in the state of Florida or the state of Georgia. But especially a kid in the Dallas area, I'm sure it helps you a little bit to say you will get to play in this game every single year. And if Chris Del Conte is right and they want to extend the contract of this game in the Cotton Bowl, I think that's overall best case scenario for the overall recruiting pitch. I, I've seen OU Texas and Jerry World. I think pretty much all of us have, right? I it was a fine setting. It just wasn't the same, man. No, it wasn't. You just don't get that same atmosphere, that same feel as you do in the Cotton Bowl. So if that game is any sort of a recruiting pitch at all for OU. I think it would be best if it stays in the Cotton Bowl for the for the long time. And I'm going to guess that it probably does as well. You're just not going to get that same feel in that other building across town. I, yeah, I just don't think you're look, going to. And Joe Castiglione and Chris Del Conte have been working in lockstep a lot over the last couple of years. This move doesn't happen if they're not. And both of those guys don't seem to be in any hurry to find the next destination for the OU-Texas rivalry. I think everybody's content with – what that game has always been, uh, what it is, and the uniqueness that surrounds that event that takes place uh, in early October in the heart of Dallas. Now, I there are those that have beef with the facilities, the concessions, the being smack dab in the middle of the fair at the Cotton Bowl every year, and to those people I say, get over yourself. Yeah, I, look, because... you know what you get. If, if you've been in that game numerous times, and I think a lot of people listening have been to it numerous times, it, it's not, it doesn't surprise you. You know what you're walking into. You know what you're walking into. Could they do a much better job with concessions in the stadium? 100% absolutely. That, like, that's the one thing that I wish that they would upgrade, but I'm with you, man. Like I'm just not one that sits here and complains about the stadium all much. 
I mean, it, it is, it's a dump. It's better than what it used to be. It's a dump. But still, I don't want that game being played in any other venue other than the one it's played in every second Saturday in October. It's perfect. Other than the concessions. Those kind of suck. Kendall mm-hmm. says, I disagree. Put the game on the campuses. No, Kendall. No. No. So does no. Mike, from, uh, Mike from Ardmore also says home and home. Kendall says, who doesn't want the game on the OU campus? Please raise your hand so I can blame you. Kendall, both my hands are up right now. Yeah, I think most people's hands. Uh, you and Mike from Ardmore, I think you might be the only few where your hands are not up right now. Now, I'll say this. Um, I think the game at the Cotton Bowl is priority number one for me. Now, if you're making me choose between Jerry World and Home and Home, then we got a little bit of a discussion. Then I'll really, like, if, if the Cotton Bowl, for whatever reason, I don't think that this is going to be the case. But for some reason, it's not going to be a part of the picture at all. Then, yeah, let's talk about maybe a little home and home here as opposed to Jerry World. I, I might favor that in terms of playing at Narlington every single year. I just think you lose so much of the magic if you m- move it somewhere else. Yeah, and look, the Cotton Bowl is not a terribly well-kept stadium. No. Okay? And it never will the be. The concessions are bad. <laughs> the toilets back up. Uh, everything kind of has a very mildewy aroma to it but it adds to the experience but it's OU Texas man like this is just this is just part of what the Red River rivalry is will OU Texas be the biggest rivalry in the SEC that's from the 918 and this one from the 405 says it's something the SEC will have to get used to OU Texas will be the biggest rivalry in the SEC they're going to deny it for a while but they'll know they're lying to themselves how do you feel about OU and Texas immediately being the best rivalry in the SEC. No, it's Auburn, Alabama. Now it's, it's Auburn has been Auburn, good for Alabama. a while, but the hate is still. Um, yeah, look the the Iron Bowl. Much as I am loath to admit it, the Iron Bowl it is close. The Iron Bowl I would say is pound for pound the most fabled rivalry in college football, but. There's a very good chance that could change now that OU and Texas are in the SEC if, because there are going to be a lot more eyes on that game than there ever yeah, have been if before. If Texas gets good again, which that's a massive if now, isn't it? And OU starts to you know play at a high level, maybe win a national championship. Like I, I think the best of OU Texas, like what we've seen here the past ten years, like if that's what we see moving forward, like a la early two thousands. I know OU was dominating the game in the early two thousands, but those routinely were top five, top eight, top ten matchups. And if you get that a lot and Auburn can't really figure it out, then OU Texas can play a card that no one else can play. Because I think Florida and Georgia are about to move to campus, actually. So Yeah, I think both of those sides, especially the Georgia side, want to move that on campus. Interesting. So we'll see if that happens in like the next three years or so. But OU and Texas, they're going to be able to pull the card of like no one in college football can have the argument that we have for the best rivalry. And here's a great point from a listener in the 405. Home and home would just be another home game where the visiting team gets 10,000 tickets. It would not be the 50-50 split we have in the Cotton Bowl. And you want to talk about unique. The 50-50 split in the Cotton Bowl is as cool of a detail as there is to any college football rivalry. And that's why i got to think that it is a recruiting pitch for the staff. I mean, how could it not be? You know, especially if you're hosting kids – and, like, two years ago, you win in that exciting fashion. Like, that's – Parker, I, that's the one thing that you can recreate that you can have a visit from somewhere that's not your home field and almost still get the home field experience, if that makes sense. Like, in some cases, if a kid is visiting, 
Like, that might be a better experience than an OU home game, sitting there in the Cotton Bowl. Like, that might, that might convince you more that you want to pick OU in your recruitment battle. In fact, Or think, if you're Colton Vosick, it might convince yeah, you that you well, want to pick Texas. Yeah, maybe so. But OU's had some luck in the past 25 years of winning that game in front of some high-profile Texas kids and ending up winning out in that recruitment over Texas, partly because of what happens in that game. So... I don't know. I, I, I tend to think it's still a pretty big deal for Texas kids, but who knows? Everyone's different, I guess. Home Cotton Bowl, home Cotton Bowl mm-hmm. would be the only way I'd be on board for moving that game, says one listener. So uh, what are they saying here? Play play basically in Norman, then at the Cotton Bowl, okay. in Austin, then at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, just keep it at the Cotton Bowl all the yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the Cotton Bowl every single year. Look, it's It's maddening. Like, logistically, it's one of the most mind-boggling days of the entire year. I dread the logistics of getting it's in awful. and out of the Logistics are terrible. It, 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 it sucks so bad. But it's OU Texas. Yeah. You know what you're getting that, into. Exactly. That right there is OU Texas. That is part and parcel of the Red River rivalry. Isn't that... That whole experience. Isn't that weird, though? It's... You know, you ask anyone, or someone asks you from the SEC, tell me about OU Texas. Oh, man, it's the best game of the year. It's the best setting in college football. Oh, cool, tell me about the day. Well, I got to wake up at like 6 a.m., okay? I got to sit in an hour traffic, maybe more, all the way to the Cotton Bowl. I got to stand in line to get tickets. Then I got to stand in line to get food and beer. Then I get to this old dump of a stadium where I'm always going to leave with the sunburn. The lows in that game are as low as you're going to feel all season long. Then when I leave, it's a long walk to the car after I paid 40 to $50 to park. And then I'm sitting in traffic for an hour and a half more. And then I got to wait later on at dinner but oh my god there's just nothing like OU Texas like when you say it that way you say so many negatives but it's still like it's it's the best game ever I don't know I'm fairly sure a lot I'm fairly certain October 9th 2021 was the day I officially decided yeah I never want to see an OU Texas game anywhere else but the Cotton Bowl yeah it's beautiful beautifully awful it is awfully beautiful awfully beautiful yes I think it is it is a disaster, but it is an incredible disaster. Uh, from a the 405, disaster. I think kids want to attend the game, but since you can't talk with the recruits, it doesn't help you a ton. See, I mean, y- you can talk to the recruits, you know, during the week or when- whenever you have available time. I-, I just think it's about – I think the pitch is, oh, my God, like I- I've been to LSU or I've been to all these other visits wherever – but there's not a setting that can replicate this. And if I go to OU, or Texas for that matter, I'm going to get to see this three or four times in my career, this unique special venue. Like, I don't think it's a huge recruiting pitch. I don't think it's the recruiting pitch, but I think it helps things for OU. How about this, says one listener in the 580. They remod the Cotton Bowl. Two years we do home and home, and then back to a shiny and improved Cotton Bowl. See, I don't I, – how do you make it shiny and well, improved? Well, and how do you get – the powers that be on board with remodeling the Cotton Bowl because there's not enough financial incentive right now, I don't think, to remodel the Cotton Bowl. OU Texas is the only major sporting event that happens in that facility every single year. They did do the, uh, what do they call it, the NHL Winter Classic? Where yeah, they play, that's right. Like the Stars played the Predators, I think, a few years ago. 
Um, but you're right. There's not normally a whole lot going on there. Baylor and Tech, about 10, 12 years ago, they were playing at uh, Jerry World for, for a bit. But before that, they tried to play at the Cotton Bowl later on in the year. And, I mean, you're just used to this burn orange on one side, crimson on the other, like this beautiful spectacle of the sport. Uh huh. Baylor and Tech play there, and there's like 20,000 fans sprinkled in a 92,000-seat stadium with all these empty seats, and it's like almost cheap in the experience. Like, we're going to put Baylor and Tech here, really, and they can't fill up but a fourth of the place, seriously? So you just can't ever – I mean, that's that's the – Parker, that's probably the only reason that stadium still is standing and exists, is for that one game a year. I don't even know if the Cotton – I wonder if the Cotton Bowl is still standing, if not for OU Texas every single year. I, I bet you it's not. And Tyler from Kellyville said, the stadium is a POS, but it's exactly. our POS. And don't make fun of it, SEC fans out there. Only we can make fun of the Cotton Bowl. It dims the rules. Uh, 405 says, win, lose, or draw, it's the best day of the year. I don't know, lose, it's the worst day of the year. But when you can sit in traffic all day, you can get a massive sunburn, um, you can get a terrible dinner, but you win, and the whole season all of a sudden just shifts around, just shifts for you. See, man, the regard- the here's year. the thing. Win or loss, as far as OU is concerned, I have vivid memories of every single trip I've ever made at the Cotton Bowl, every single day I've ever spent there in early October. I can't say the same about any other game, any other series, any other venue. Uh, that game just embeds itself in your memory every single year. It does. I mean, you can recall so many different things from each game. And my dad told me as a kid, and it's so true, the momentum swings in that game are unlike any other. Uh-huh. The highs in that, in that game are, I mean, as high as you can get in the, in the regular season. And the lows are, well, it's pretty awful and pretty miserable. Uh, 405, I think OU-Texas is an overrated rivalry because as a kid, Nebraska was OU's best rivalry. How do we feel about that text line? Overrated rivalry. OU-Nebraska is a different rivalry than OU-Texas, though. OU-Nebraska is a respectful rivalry. It is a series between two of the most storied programs in college football. Texas, and maybe this sounds weird to some, Historically, Texas does not have the same stature in college football that Nebraska does. And again, Nebraska hasn't been good in a decade, so maybe it doesn't seem like that right now. But the reason why the OU-Nebraska rivalry was so big for so many years was because that always had national title implications every year. Yep. And as far as OU and Texas go, that rivalry is just fueled by hate. OU-Nebraska isn't like that. OU Nebraska is fueled by a mutual respect and admiration for the other program's historic success and excellence. And the claim to superiority, if only briefly, that comes with winning that game. You strike me as an 11 a.m. type of guy. You like the 11 a.m. game. So are for, you like, are, for, for the Red River Showdown? Yeah. Yes. So For any other game, no. So you're a little bit bummed about Chris Del Conne going to go to the SEC, apparently, and say, let's move this to 2.30, please. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say bummed. I'd prefer an 11 a.m. kick for OU Texas, but it's not something I'm going to break my back campaigning over. I am uh, I am Team 2.30 right here. Team 2.30 all the way. Uh, 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. A lot of crouton to get to on the other side. Parker dropped a new crystal ball a few days ago, which – 
has an interesting tie to it. We'll talk about that more coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. The ref army listening worldwide today. Mexico City is checked in on the free KREF app. Paris, Brooklyn, American Fork, Utah, Porterville, California, Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I was over the long weekend. Unfortunately, having to be around a bunch of Tech and A&M fans out Ugh, there. But, disgusting. Yeah. A lot of A&M starter jackets up there at uh, Ski Santa Fe also, this how many past f- weekend. How many forks are there in Utah? Because there's an American fork. I know there's a Spanish fork. How many other forks are there? Um, let me. Uh, well, if we're going to play a game Utah, of BYU this year, Utah I guess I need is to know apparently these the land of the ethnic fork. Maybe OU will get uh, some players out of Utah this year. Hey, I've got, them all. I've got our Oklahoma small town of the day, though. It's Uchi. Yeah, I heard you mention that earlier. I also have Cleo Springs, Oklahoma, which I don't know if I've ever heard before. I certainly have never heard it's of like Cleo Springs. It's like east of Woodward is what it looks like okay. on the uh, on the app map that I have pulled up here. Cleo, Cleo Springs. Cleo Springs, yeah. Search KREF in the App Store. Download our app for free. It's awesome. And you can listen to uh, OU Women's Basketball, who's really good right now, all season long, and uh, OU Baseball as well, as they are four games uh, into the season. All right, uh, before we get back to the text line, I teased this before the break. About three days ago, you put in a crystal ball for Michael Patterson McDonald. Now, I he's did. at 5'11", 175 safety out of uh, Westmore, just up the street here. Now, that's interesting in itself. I don't think that he technically has a star rating right now. But first, like, OU made this offer, what, about three weeks ago? Because he's a good player, but, well, his best friends is five-star defensive lineman David Stone. So how does this? How does you putting in a crystal ball for David Stone's best friend affect OU football recruiting? There's the question. I mean, look, I – I think Michael Patterson McDonald is going to be in Oklahoma's class because OU is the kid's dream offer. And he's going to want to play with David Stone. If he does commit to Oklahoma, he's going to push David Stone very hard to join him. But again, I I still regard OU as the leader for David Stone. I am not throwing around any absolutes or guarantees because that's a five-star. Yeah, nor, should, nor should you. That's a five-star, and five-stars are a different breed when it comes to recruiting. So this kid doesn't have a star rating right now. What do you he think doesn't. he'll be when it's all said and done? Three? He just got his initial ranking from rivals, and he was a four-star. Oh, wow. According to them. So I I would say in the composite he'll be uh, on the higher end of the three-star spectrum. Where do you yeah. think he'll rank this year in terms of best players in the state? Zadavian Sims will be there at the top. Yeah. Danny Okoye, I'm sure, will be right there at the top. He'll be he'll have a case as the top defensive back in 2024. I think Xavier Robinson is probably a better overall prospect. Obviously Okoye, obviously Zadavian Sims. Dax Collins is another interesting or rather intriguing prospect from down in Poto, Oklahoma. It's a pretty light class in 2024, but there are some guys that could be late risers. River Warren as well, quarterback out of Bishop McGinnis, another guy that uh, could see his stock rise in a hurry. Okoye and Sims, is that one-two in the state of Oklahoma for 2024 most likely? I would say so, not necessarily in that order. but Yeah. Those two are kind of head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, Text line from the 405. They've sent this in a few times, so this must be urgent. Did you notice the USFL draft today? Adrian Martinez, Jeffrey Johnson, and Deshaun White 
have been the notables drafted today so far. Well, good for uh, Jeffrey Johnson and Deshaun White. Yeah, yeah, good. Definitely rooting for Deshaun White. He seems like an awesome, awesome dude. Yeah, and so is Jeffrey Johnson. But that's probably best case scenario for those guys because Jeffrey Johnson, good player, not an NFL player. Deshaun White, good player, not an NFL player. Adrian Martinez, that's interesting. I wonder if he holds out to see where he lands in the NFL draft class because I don't think he's going to be drafted, but I think he's a guy that could catch on as an undrafted free agent somewhere and probably a guy that could make a pretty decent living out of holding the clipboard for a few years. Allen and Edmonds says, first went to OU in 1966. OU had lost eight or nine years in a row. Sooners won and tore the goalposts down, parading one of the uprights around the field in the Sooner schooner. OU fans were swimming in the fairground fountains. At 11 years old, I was thinking, do we do this every time we win? If only, Allen. What if OU fans, what if that was their tradition at OU Texas? Would people get annoyed by that and roll their eyes, say that that's beneath us? If every time they won OU Texas, they tore the goalpost down and paraded it on the Sooner Schooner and jumped in the fountains at the State Fair? Yeah, hopefully, that feels to me like rushing the court at a basketball game. Hopefully you're not doing that because that says something about the state of your program compared to the opposition. It's almost a self-recognizance of inferiority. Cotton Bowl game getting moved to Jerry World killed any chances of upgrade to the actual Cotton Bowl. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, now that the uh, Cotton Bowl is a New Year's Six game, if the Cotton Bowl was still actually played at the Cotton Bowl, I would. Like, you're not really going to add any more seats to it. It already has like 92,000 seats there. Uh-huh. And there's not really any room to throw any more seats on there with the way that it's currently constructed. But could the amenities be a lot better? Yes. Anyone that's ever been to that game would tell you that that's an absolute yes. But yes, I do agree with the point. Like, if the bowl game was still being played there, then probably so. Peyton, 230 will be awesome. No more 545 wake-up calls. Um, Cotton Bowl is fine for fans. Fair and experience is fabulous. Cotton Bowl sucks when fairgrounds empty. If moving to Jerry World, might as well go home and home. Keep it at the Cotton Bowl. I would agree with that one. Here's another childhood story. First went at age 8 in 1971. Jack Mildren. Oh, you pounded Texas. Old man from the horns cursed me like a dog walking out of the stadium. Mm, what a memory. Gotta love it. Move it to Cowboy Stadium and call it good. That's where it's going anyways. You're fooling yourself if you think otherwise. That's from the 405. Well, I heard that 10 years ago. <laughs> well, it's inevitable. They're going to move it to Jerry World at some point. I've been hearing that for a decade now. And Chris Del Conte, Texas AD, just said, hey, our uh, contract is about to run up at the Cotton Bowl, but we want to continue playing it there. I, I don't I don't think that it's going any I don't think it's going anywhere for quite some time. It's probably not going anywhere, Parker, until the Cotton Bowl actually just falls apart itself. And then maybe they'll still just sit fans on one side. Is it of the gonna place. be like the Metrodome where there has to be a collapse yeah. of some sort? And they'll still to- probably figure out a way to play it there for the next five years. But I think OU and Texas both value and recognize the you know, just the unique setting that it provides. You just lose a lot with that game if you move it somewhere else. I think both sides realize that. I would hope so. Joe Castiglione and Chris Del Conte seem like two guys that have great respect for the traditions of their respective universities. And one of the things that comes with that cognizance is a willingness to keep OU Texas at the Cotton Bowl in as much as it depends on their efforts. Yeah. 
So I mentioned David Stone earlier, and real quick, I'm just going to go through the big four here. And you tell me what you think, I, I guess, the biggest factor in their recruitment is going to be. Um, and we'll start with the highest-ranked defensive lineman out of the four, Williams Winery. Like, what If you had to guess on what the biggest overall factor of his recruitment is, what, w- what would you say? Relationships. Kid values consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got enough support around him, the right type of influences, and he's got the right head on his shoulders that NIL isn't going to sway him substantially at least to him it comes down to okay who stays most consistent with me who displays to me in various ways that they want me the most that I'm a priority to them and Mizzou will definitely do that Mizzou has done that and that's the reason why Mizzou leads for that kid uh David Stone biggest factor they're a zillion, man. I don't know if there is a biggest fat. And at the end of the day, I think NIL is going to come heavily into play with that one. Sure. Even though he said that it wouldn't uh, back last year. Well, okay. And here's the thing, though. I, and I always encourage folks to consider this whenever we're talking about a recruitment that's going to be heavily influenced by NIL or has the potential to. It's not always about the kid. The kid isn't always the one leveraging for the money. Jaden Rashada didn't care how much he was getting paid. And you can infer what you will from that statement. But all I'm going to say is, when it comes to those types of situations, I would actually say in the majority of cases, it's not the kid holding out for the bag. Nigel Smith. Another guy that I think relationships and opportunity matter to. Um, He's got great relationships with both Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis. He's a guy that when he shows up, is going to be able to play either inside or outside. So, naturally, Bates and Chavis are both quite involved in his recruitment. But, man, he values a school that's going to get him an expedited path to playing time, going to be able to work him onto the field early in the process. And I think that opportunity will exist at Oklahoma, especially when you look at their defensive line core right now and how many guys are poised to graduate at season's end. Bothroyd's a one-year rental. Uh, Trace Ford's a one-year rental. Marcus Stripling's gone. Jonah Laulu's gone. Isaiah Coe's gone. Corey Roberson's gone. There are so many guys right now at both defensive line and edge that are only going to be with this team for one more season, and then you got a lot to replace in terms of numbers. I, I probably would have guessed pretty close to what you just said for the first three guys. Um, the one that I'm really like, what's what's the biggest factor? Zadavian Sims. Proximity to home. Well, then that I think that bodes – Pretty well for OU. I think it now he feel- lives very southeast of the state, uh-huh. but still, I, I would feel that that fares pretty well for OU in the end. Yeah, and again, there's been a lot of Michigan State smoke with that kid, but as I have said, literally from the get go, whenever those Michigan State crystal balls started dropping, I I wouldn't rule out Zadavian Sims committing to Michigan State. That may happen. Although I think we're kind of past the boat on that. But even where it did appear for a while as though he might commit to Michigan State, I still found it hard to believe that he would sign with Michigan State. If we got closer to National Signing Day and the kid realized, oh, shoot, I'm about to sign my life away and move a 1,000 miles from home, I don't know if he would have the same eagerness, the same willingness to put pen to paper and make that happen. Uh compared to the willingness that he had to 
verbally give his pledge to an institution like that. By the way, Tattoo Baker says the only way OU Texas home game happens is if it's a uh, playoff game and you play them. How incredible would that be? OU Texas and Norman in for a playoff game? What what would uh what would be more hyped? OU Texas and Norman for a playoff game or OU USC with Muleshoe on the sideline in a playoff game? Both of them would be spectacular. Which one Mule would shoe. be, you think, yeah. It's well, it, especially if it happens like in the first year of the playoff. Like, I don't think that those feelings are going away anytime soon. So I still feel, I think they'll definitely be there in five years. But the closer to 24 that you play USC and Muleshoe, I would, I would agree with that. And yeah. somebody on the text line did point out that would require Texas being good enough to get to the playoffs. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Dylan Fair said, enough. we do not want Sims. Promise. Dang. Uh, okay. Really? Okay. I, Please explain. Yeah, I would love some elaboration on that. All right. Another listener, and we're going to have to answer this question a zillion times mm. between now and early signing day. Why isn't Oklahoma in play for Danny Okoye? The kid just doesn't want to go to Oklahoma and is not really open to having his mind changed. It's not because OU hasn't tried. No, it's definitely that, I mean, not it's for just, lack of trying. Just, it's, it's, They've it's tried. Time. They've continually tried. The kid just does not want to go to OU. Yeah. All right, what's the latest on Michael Hawkins Jr., four-star quarterback in the 2024 class? Uh, I'll ask Parker that and a whole lot more coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the home of Suter fans inside the Buffalo Wild Wings studio. And Parker and I have not done a show together since the OU media availability on Thursday. There were a lot of takeaways from that. I think my biggest takeaway, other than the whole uh, Peyton Bowen, Jackson Arnold, you know, back and forth, um, Josh Bates, he is a true ride or die, isn't he? Basically, he always has been. Man. I know, but like telling OU fans there, like I'm gonna be tough, physical, nasty, may get in some fights down there. He um, he represented himself in a way that every OU fan said, "Yeah, I'm really rooting for that kid to have a great career." He kind of like he kind of gets it. He didn't kind of. He really gets it in terms of. Like what this fan base appreciates, what this fan base likes. Like he yeah. is cut from that mold. Well, and he is always going to be remembered. This will be his legacy. He was the last mule shoe commit ever to sign with Oklahoma. The only guy that was committed to OU in the class of 2023 before mule shoe defected. Yeah. And like many of the other 2023 recruits or commits at the time. Muleshoe tried to contact Josh Bates, and per Josh Bates, he was like, yeah, I'm good. No, thanks. Nah, we're, we're done here. No, nah, it's good. I'm, I'm still going to know you. It's okay. Loyalty. That man has it. And he's nasty, too. Like, that's a, that's a kid that by the time he's a redshirt freshman, very much going to be in the conversation to start at center and probably will be the front runner to start there because he's a natural center. He's not somebody that you have to move into that position. And OU's going to have no shortage of guys on the roster that can play center. Bill Beatonbow's very good about making sure his dudes can and do play multiple positions. But Josh Bates is a center all the way. He's Creed Humphrey. What was your takeaway? Or your biggest takeaway, I guess? Because that's my that was mine. Josh Bates and then, of course, uh, Peyton Bowen and the conversation of Jackson Arnold calling him that night and having the speech prepared and he said, I'm booming, man. Like th- Those are one and two. Like What was what was yours from Thursday? Uh-huh. Bill Biedenboe brought the beef via the transfer portal because, let me tell you, Walter Rouse and Caleb Schaefer are enormous humans. Tall, wide, muscular. They're also both very intelligent, and you can tell they're going to 
they're going to be devoted workers. They're going to steward the opportunities that they've been given devotedly at the University of Oklahoma because they're both only here for one year. Rouse came from Stanford. Schaefer came from Miami of Ohio where he was actually a four-year starter. Um, so I, I think both of those guys are probably front runners to start. Nothing's going to be guaranteed. It, and Teddy and I were having this conversation about the O-line going into 2023 yesterday when we were on the air. There are almost too many guys because at offensive tackle, you have Sexton, Tyler Guyton, and Rouse. You can only pick two. Yeah. And until we get an idea of what Sexton's recovery is going to look like, what the timetable is going to be, how close to 100% he's going to be once he's fully recovered, then it's probably Rouse and Guyton. I, I would, um, that, that would be my guess right now for your two starters at tackle. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty easy guess with one of them being sidelined for who knows how long. But consider offensive guard. McCade Mattire. Caleb Schaefer, Savion Bird, Jake Taylor. Uh, do not disregard Caden Green. It's five guys, I think, that are all capable of starting for Oklahoma in 2023. And again, you can only pick two. Yeah, and then for some of those, I guess especially on the inside, it comes down to, okay, do you want to start and play a guy that's played a lot of college football? How much do you value that versus – well, we have a first or second year player within the program that we really feel like is the future of that. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. how do you weigh that the guy with the more experience or the guy with, well, here's our future at this spot. We'd like to get him as many reps as possible. That's going to be something that they're going to have to balance, obviously. And, and I'm really talking about McCade Matoyer in that spot versus some of those younger guys that are going to be there. Yeah, just because, quite honestly, McCade Matoyer didn't impress in 2022. Now, he wasn't awful. He wasn't terrible. But I don't know that he did enough to solidify a stranglehold on his job as the incumbent going into 2023. If somebody supplants him, it won't shock me. And I think Caleb Schaefer, to me, is a guy that's going to come in and probably assume one of those two positions at guard. It's because his experience, his athleticism, I really like Caleb Schaefer. Uh, incredibly hard worker, incredibly smart kid. I think he starts. Uh, I don't know who starts at the other guard spot. I have, I don't even have a guess right now. By the way, Dylan uh, elaborates a little bit on why we don't want Sims. Promise. That text that uh, happened last segment. Bust written all over him. Coaches are not high on him. <laughs> that's that's the reason why apparently we do not want Sims, according uh, to Dylan on the text line. Okay. I mean, I, I guess the first part, bust written all over him, is your opinion. I mean, I would disagree with that. Coaches are not that high on him. I, I don't yeah, I don't think that that's the case. I don't think that that's the and, case and, at all. And, and I'm curious, why would you say he has bust written all over him? Because the kid is way young for his age, too. He'll graduate high school at age 17. So, a, a lot of guys are a year behind, and their parents do that intentionally to put them in a better position of being studs on the gridiron by the time they're 18, 19 years old. They intentionally drag them behind a grade uh, so that when they graduate high school, they're 19. Uh, Zadavian Sims is going to graduate high school at age 17. So, you know what? Kid will probably redshirt. Probably comes in and sits a year. And that will effectively catch him up. But I think it is 
way too early in his development to conclude that he has bust written all over oh, him. I and totally agree with having that. seen as much as Zadavian of Zadavian Sims as I have seen, like I n- nothing's a guarantee in recruiting, but I certainly don't think that kid is oversold. Well, like to, really to say any kid after just his junior year has bust written all over him is way too premature in my opinion. Like, there's still a lot of development and growth that can happen from your junior to senior year of high school. I'm not saying that it always happens, but there's, I mean, again, P.J. Adabari is, is a great example of that. I mean, and he's not the only example. He's just one example of that. So I'm not, uh, look, and the coaches want Zadavian Sims. Like, they, they, they want him. He might redshirt his first year, but that doesn't mean that he can't be a great player here. Um, anything uh, lately on Michael Hawkins Jr., when he might make a decision, is it still OU and yeah, TCU? It's still OU, TCU, still wait until March. I think it's going to be March, and I think he'll visit TCU again before he arrives at a final decision. Uh, question from the text line, who is OU really leaning towards as far as edge players for the 2024 class? Interesting note here. Edric Houston, the nation's number one edge prospect, is going to be visiting Oklahoma on March 4th. Ooh. Buford, Georgia. They've had the number one edge player in. They're going to get, what, the number one linebacker in. So they'll have the number one defensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, yes, number one defensive lineman in for sure. So they're they're going to have some big-time prospects in here for sure. That they will. Um, before we hit a break, I've got four tickets to give away to tonight's uh, OU Texas Tech basketball game. So first two people, I'm going to give away two sets of uh, two tickets First two people to say, I really want to go to the OU men's basketball game tonight is going to win two uh, tickets. 405-651-3439. You like how we give away things here? Love it. Just say that you really want to go to the game, and, well, you'll be able to get to go to the game. 405-651-3439. Final segment of Locked In's next. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Congrats to our two winners during the break. For the tickets to tonight's OU men's hoops game against Texas Tech, Scott and Ty were our two winners. So if I didn't text you, unfortunately you did not win. But I'm going to guess that there's going to be more opportunities to win tickets later on this week when the OU women host Texas on Saturday at 1 p.m. Winner of that game just might win the conference this year. That's a huge game for the OU women so uh, stay tuned to the ref throughout the week for your chance to uh, win tickets to that game on Saturday. Scott and Ty will be uh, sitting together tonight, by the way. I gave uh, four seats together, so hopefully they don't get into a fight or anything like that, Parker. Hopefully it doesn't turn, uh, you know, turn bad between those two guys. Oh, boy, a little I, I'm civil sure it'll war be within the ref army. sure it'll be fine. Hopefully none of them have, has a, a negative opinion about Zadavian Sims and how the coaches don't like him. Oh, boy, we have birds aren't real guy on the text line again. Great. Hawkins has bust written all over him. Hmm. Let me read you some of his previous You guys texts. are fun. Bates doesn't suck. Hawkins does. Look for a better QB to go with a better line play on both sides of the ball. Uh, this is an, he, this I don't is an underst- anti-Michael Hawkins guy. Yeah, no Jeez. joke. I don't understand why OU wants to waste a scholarship on Hawkins. I don't compare Hawkins to Kyler. I would more compare him to General Booty. We watched Booty play a lot of games. He is better in big games than Hawkins. Hmm. Expect to, uh, I, I can't wait until these are uh, on cold takes exposed on Twitter <laughs> here in about three years. I hope TCU gets Hawkins. OU doesn't want Hawkins. He's not that good. <laughs> like This is literally all this person ever texts about. Uh, sweet. Uh, uh, Liam Andrews? 
top offensive line com- uh, uh, prospect was in town in late January, I guess. Sounds like old Bill yeah. has himself some legs in that recruitment. So this kid is from the Mass- – he's from Massachusetts, Brookline, Dexter School. Yep. Do they have like a lot of um, prep schools or academy up there? Because wasn't Samson, Okanola – was he from Massachusetts There are last a lot year? of prep I feel like there. there's um, more kids coming out of that state than there has been recently. And I, I wonder if the prep schools are the, yeah, are the reason why. It's a small state, but yes, up in that region, there are plenty of prep schools. 6'5", 260, the number 106 player nationally right now, uh, and the number six player, the number six offensive tackle at this point. So that would be a nice skid if old, uh, Bill could pull that one off. Nebraska got a nice commit earlier today, didn't they? Um, top uh, 24-7 athlete, Roger Gradney. So, Nebraska's trying to do some damage in recruiting. Felt like they had a pretty decent end of the 23 class and making some inroads in the 24 class as well. And they're probably, just because of that new car smell that's going to follow Matt Rule and his staff around, they're probably going to recruit pretty well in the class of 2024. But thereafter, it's going to come down to winning. How quickly can you prove that you've overhauled the culture at Nebraska. French fries in the back seat that ruined the uh, new car smell. That's a four and eight in year one, <laughs> is what you're saying? Yes, precisely. Man. Well, I think Nebraska-Colorado could be a fun little recruiting rivalry as well. I guess Has Nebraska ever um, admitted that that is a rivalry? I, th- I think it took them a while to admit that CU-Nebraska was actually a rivalry. Really? Yes. They not opened, They feel like they're better than Colorado? They, yeah, they're not now. Colorado? They're definitely not now, but for a long time they did. Maybe it's time to actually admit it. All right, that'll do it for us. The Rush is coming up next. Bob Stoops at 320. Keep it locked on the ref.